you know, last week we, oh man, we, oh man, last week topic, we've been, we've been talking about this lifestyle that is so important as believers that, you know, as, well, we, we just came out of about an eight week series about the encounter, you know, where we encounter Christ, how things supposed to change in our lives, that our lives never stay the same when we encounter Christ. Or let me just say, our lives should not stay the same when we encounter Christ. In fact, when we encounter Christ, everywhere Christ encountered anyone through the scripture, their life changed from that moment forth. Their life changed. It doesn't matter which way it went, for the better, for the worse. doesn't really matter. Every time he encountered, something happened. As we believers, when we encounter Christ, something is supposed to take place, a change. The, the old saints used to sing, this song, you know, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. He brought about a change in my life. You know, then they got the nurse say something. I guess they start out saying something on the outside, inside, working on the outside. Then they came back and say, it's Jesus on the inside, working on the outside, brought about a change in my life. And then they say, oh, what a change. Oh, what a change. Oh, what a change in my life. Oh, what a change. Oh, what a change. Oh, what a change in my life. And it was sing that song till the church got happy and folk be all over the sanctuary thanking God for the change that he has brought, change that he has brought in their lives. Amen. So th this is a change. It's a change when we meet Jesus. It's a change when people look at us. It's supposed to be a change. In fact, the very image that we reflect to the world should be the image of God, our Father, whom he made us in his image, so our reflection should be of his character, his personality, his person, all that he encompasses. Yeah, we got to grow to that because it's a growing phase, amen? So in our lifestyle, our lifestyle is the evidence of that change, amen? The, the lifestyle that we live is the evidence. It should show the evidence of the encounters that we've had in Jesus Christ. Last week, we walked into a lesson titled, The Fight to Live a Godly Life. And we talked about how immediately, once you make the decision to come to Christ, you're in a boxing match. It's like you're in a ring with the sin nature and the spirit, the spirit nature, amen, the mind of the spirit. And those two, the scripture says in the book of Galatians, that they war against each other. They, they have the boxing glove. I don't know if it's two-pound gloves, three, four, or five-pound gloves. Amen. All I know is gloves. Amen. And those two are warring and fighting against each other. The sin nature wants you to yield to the sin that Jesus has set you free from, while the mind of the spirit or the spirit inside of you is warring on your behalf to fight against the sin nature so that you can walk a victorious life in Christ. This lifestyle is a lifestyle. This life that we choose to live in Christ Jesus is literally a lifestyle. It's not a Sunday lifestyle and a Sunday only lifestyle. It is not a Wednesday only lifestyle. It's not a Monday only, a Tuesday only, or a Thursday only. It's not a Saturday only. It is a Monday through Friday. Well, a Monday through Sunday, well, 365 days a year. And in some years, 366, amen. If you want to add one extra day in the month of February. So every day we should wake up with a mind to live the lifestyle that would represent the encounter that we had with Jesus. And not just the one-time encounter. I'm talking about each phase in your relationship with God as you grow 
every step that you move or every level that you go up in God is preceded by an encounter because God reveals more of him and then he begins to tell you now where I'm taking you you got to wean off some things you got to cut off some things you got to change the way you were acting there because where you're going next that can't go there or it's going to hinder what I want to reveal and in you and through you so then our relationship with God is an active relationship. It is not a dormant relationship, and we shouldn't treat it like we treat relationships with our friends. You know, sometimes there are some friends where you're friends for years, amen, for a long time, and you might talk once a month, and you're still friends. You can pick up the phone, amen, and, and, and next time in 30 days, it's like y'all never miss the beat. And there are some friends that require more attention, amen. You got to call them once a day. And if you miss that one day, boy, it's like you, like, what's wrong with you? You know, it's a battle trying to, man, it's a battle. You know, and there's some, some friends you call once a week. But with God, it's a daily thing. And God don't get no attitude because the benefit of a vibrant, life-giving relationship with Jesus is that daily we're empowered to live this life. Amen? Daily we are, we're yielding ourselves to the the spirit of God and allowing the anointing of God or the move of God or the, 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 the flow of God to, to flow out of our lives and touch those who we around on a daily basis. And I tell you, this lifestyle is so important. We talked about last week, we jumped in the book of Romans, the seventh chapter, and we talked a lot about the sin nature last week and how it pulls us and tores us. And matter of fact, Paul said, when I, when I want to do right, evil is present with me. I end up doing wrong, right? And he began to talk about that thing. Matter of fact, I think we're going to read through it real quick, and I'm going to try to read through it without stopping. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's almost impossible. But I'm going to do it tonight. Amen. I'm going to do it tonight. We talked about the power of sin nature and how it seduces attempts us to yield to its habits you get that the power of the sin nature seduces us or tempts us to yield to its habits we ended last week with when we go into Romans 7 we ended last week with talking about this race that we run amen to receive this prize and that prize is an eternity in heaven with God. Let's see Romans 7 beginning at the 7th verse and I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. You follow along with me and I choose this because it, it kind of flows a little better. If you ever read it in the King James it's a tongue twister. It's a tongue twister. Amen. Romans the 7th chapter beginning at the 7th verse and we're going to launch into this thing. It says this well then make sure I'm at the right place well then am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful of course not <clears throat> in fact it was the law that showed me my sin you know there's a lot of people go oh, there I go there's a lot of people going around talking about they live by the law they live by the law well the law the purpose of the law was only show you your sin Amen. It didn't bring righteousness. It didn't bring you. It didn't give you access to heaven. It it calmed when you followed or fulfilled the written law. It calmed the wrath of God, uh, appeased the wrath of God until the next year when you had to offer your sacrifices. Amen. 
I would have never known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must covet but sin used the command to arouse all kinds of covetousness desires within me if there was no law sin would not have that power verse 9 at one time I lived without understanding the law but when I learned the command not the covet <coughs> excuse me but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life. It's like I told you, here I go again. That's like I told you last week that when you tell a child, don't touch that, it's hot, what they go do? They go touch it. You told them what's going to happen if they're touching and they literally go, that's the same way with sin, amen. When they, you shouldn't do that, then they say, well, it can't be that bad, let me go try it. Something you can't try but once, and then you're locked in. You sucked in. You addicted to it. So you better listen because you don't know what that might be for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's see. Verse 10, and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death inside. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still, verse 12, the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can this be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's, God's good commands for its own evil purposes. Isn't that how the enemy twists things around? Have you doing stuff you know you don't have no business doing. Amen? Have you doing stuff that you know you don't have any business? That's sin. Well, let's look at, turn your Bibles. I, that really wasn't what I wanted to read, but it was real good, wasn't it? <laughs> well, let's see. Romans 7 and verse, verse 18 says, For I know that in me that is, there is in my flesh dwelling no good thing, for to will is present with me, but now to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. You get that? Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I am, but I see another law in my members. We're talking about the law of sin. In your members, the members of your flesh, there's a law that your flesh is governed by. That's the law of the sin, sin nature, the nature that makes you want to always go against the things that you know you shouldn't go for, right? It's the one that pulls you. It's the one that pulls you. Is it? You may have in your heart the desire to please God, but the sin nature, all it wants to do is what pleases it. That's the power of that's the fight that you're toiling with. That's the thing that makes you miss it one day and, and makes you conquer. You know what I'm saying? 
The one day you got it, some days you're weaker than other days, some days you're stronger than other days. It's the battle that goes on within your inner man. In fact, the signal to you should be that the day that you feel your weakest is the day that you should jump into the word. Because then when you get the word in you, faith comes, right? Courage and strength comes to resist the will of the flesh. Once you resist the will of the flesh, you render it with no power. But as soon as you give into the flesh, the flesh stands tall and say, ha ha, here I am. You thought I was gone, what, didn't you? And it shows out and it'll have you doing the fool. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Verse, verse uh, 24 says this. After Paul went through all that tongue twisting conversation, amen, telling you that when I would do right, I ended up always doing wrong. Then he, he'd say, oh, wretched man, in verse 24, that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of death, from this body of death? And verse 25 answers the question. He realized that he had something going on bad inside of him, yet he was a believer. But he realized that the answer to the victory that he needed to conquer the nature of the sin was in verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Jesus Christ gave us power over the sin nature. In fact, when Jesus died and resurrected, the power of the sin nature was stripped from it. It was killed. It was dead. He took everything from it. So that's why when you read on into chapter 8, you realize, and then Paul talked about it in chapter 6 of Romans, how can you who have been redeemed remain in sin any longer? You know, how can you who are righteous turn to the dead thing already? It's like going, and going to the graveyard and digging up a corpse and wanting to partake in the thing that you partook in when that person was alive. And you're just carrying it around, sitting it at the dinner table and just talking to it and laying it down in your bed and just caressing it. And you got worms and stinkiness all coming all out of it. That's the way sin is when you go back and pick it up. It'd be stinking, it'd be smelling, it'd be decaying. And because of the sin desire, the sinful nature, the, which is your flesh, desires the pleasure of that thing, it pulls you into it if you don't have the will to resist it. That's the power of the sin nature. That's why we really need Jesus. That's why we have to understand why we really, did I do I really need Jesus to get to heaven? Well, yes. But there were some privileges that came along with accepting Jesus in your life. You know, we don't see the power of having Christ in a, in a believer's life anymore too much in churches. You know, I hate to say it's a lost art because it's not an art. It's a lost manifestation. It is not many churches that you can go to and see signs and wonders going forth that will cause the, the pews to be emptied out and cause people to run to the altar and give their lives without even an altar call. You hear me? When the, I remember as a kid, when I came in, when I came up in the holiness church, well, when I was a teenager, I went, joined the holiness church, and I tell you, you couldn't go to church and just 
thought you had it made and get away and think nobody don't notice that you need Jesus. They'll look you dead in your face and say, I know there's somebody in here that needs to give their life to Christ. And your conviction, that's the power of the anointing. Conviction will hit you. And then you here's the dialogue. He ain't talking to me. I got this. I've been going to church all my life. I, I sing in the choir back at my home. I'm just visiting today. He can't be talking. Must be somebody. Then you start looking around. And then somebody say, yeah, you right there. Yeah, you that's looking around. That's how the Lord, the Lord just call you out. But that's the power of the anointing. You know, or somebody go up there sick or physically sick and you can see that they need deliverance in their body and a man of God lay hands on them and they be set free right in front of you. The power of signs and wonders is lost in churches. Jesus said this generation seeks signs because they have not seen it. They've seen games. They see people play around in church. They people do all kind of foolish stuff in churches. That's what this generation have seen. They have not tasted. They have not seen or experienced the move of God. And God is drawing us back to that place. You know, on the last day, it's going to be a great revival. Will you be a part of it? Or you, would you be standing on the outside looking in? 1 Corinthians 9 and 24 through 27 says this. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. And I'm reading the King James Version. <laughs> it says this. Know you not that they which run in a race run all? See, this life that we, we're living in Christ as believers is like we're in a race. We talked about it at the end of our session last week. And I'm not a track runner by no means. I don't know. I, I see what happens at the end result. I look at the Olympics track and field. I look at the Goodwill Games and I admire the fast people that run those races. And I, I admire the ones that run that with that, that 1600 where they got to run about 20 times around that lap. Lord, I don't see how they do it. Amen. But Paul said here, know ye not that that they which run in a race run all. But one receiveth the prize. It might be 2,000 folks starting a race, but only one person out of the 2,000 is going to get the prize. So run. He's encouraging the Corinthians church. Don't you know that it's so many of you in the church that's running to attain the prize? And then he said, so run. Don't just get in this race and don't want to win the race. Get in this race to win. Put your all into it. Run fast. Slow down when you need to. Take time if you need to. But don't be sitting down on the side of the road talking about eating pump. My wife call them bonbons. Pump, pump, bump, whatever they call. Muffins. I'm just going to say muffins. Eat muffins with cream on top while everybody just passing you up. And you're like, oh, Lord, let me get up and go running. You fool around and miss the end of the race. So he says, so run that you might obtain. Verse 25, and every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we run our race to attain an incorruptible crown. Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight, I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it under into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself shall be a castaway. Do you get that? 
Let me read that in another version. Don't you realize, verse 24, that a race, that in a race everyone wins, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. You get that? Every step, you, every day you wake up to live this life because my lifestyle has to be pointing to God. Who's, who's going to point people to God if the believers don't want to live for God? I think we've had enough of that. In this, look at the world now, amen? It's a mess. Let's by any means, excuse me, so run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing, Paul said. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Did you get that? Training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So Paul said, I keep at it. I keep at it. And I begin to dig a little deeper. I said, let me pull out the Greek. And when I look at the keep, I'm, I'm not going to say the words. I'm just going to tell you what they mean. When he says, I keep my body, un I keep under my body, he says, I keep under it to beat it black and blue, meaning I beat my body into subjection. And I beat it with such an intensity that it's going to make it the injury to the body to get it to submit is going to be black and blue. It's going to be bruised. It's going to be battered. You see the intensity that goes in that when you got to keep at yourself? Because we know our weak areas. And those are the areas that, number one, if I don't pay attention to anything else, I got to pay attention to that area. So then I'm telling my flesh, no, you ain't going to do that today. And if you get the sign that it's trying to, what do you do? Uh-uh. No, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Uh, you'll go on a fast. You'll open up the word, right? You'll start praying. And that in itself just starts beating the flesh into subjection to the will of God. It's an intensity. It takes work. Some people think once they come in Christ, they just coast on into heaven. I'm in this thing for the long haul. And they sit down on the pew. You can't get them to volunteer. You can't get them to go feed the hungry. Can't get them to sweep the church. Can't even get them to pick up paper. Amen. They just coasting their way into heaven. Praise the Lord. But you got to work this thing out. You got to walk this life out. Because there's a fight. And your sin nature ain't going to let you get go at it just like that. Oh, you going to coast? Okay. Then memories start flooding. Yeah, yeah. You remember when you used to do such and such? You'd be like, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. Then you'd be riding down the street. you hear a beat that you used to hear when you was in the club about 20 years ago. And before you know it, you singing it with all your might. And you done went on off. I know how it go. You'd be walking the wall, but it's a song. Come on. You'd be like, oh, Jesus. Don't play Jesus song. I can't remember no worldly songs right now. Amen. Be amazing, Frankie Beverly. Talking about joy and pain. It's like sunshine and rain. While you walking down the aisle, picking up your beans and canned goods. And you re before you realize, your little two, three-year-old son, Mommy, you singing, uh, 
You sing, that's not a Christian song. And you like, well, baby, uh, I had a moment of flashback. <laughs> well, I was singing one the other day, and you slapped me. Can I slap you? <laughs> hey, that's just the real deal. So when you're keeping at it, you're beating it into subjection. You're smiting it. You're hitting it with the intent to cause bruises, to discipline it by hardships. And when you bring it unto, into subjection, you're leading. This is to say to lead away into slavery and claim it as your slave. In other words, you're caught, you're beating it so bad. It reminds me of, of a, it, it reminds me of a domestic violent relationship where a, a husband or a wife beats their spouse and they do it with the intent to cause that person to do whatever they want them to do, right? They treat them as if they're a slave, right? And, and it's, it's obviously, you know, Roost just came off the TV the other day. And, you know, every time that comes on, you have to pray the Lord help you. And, and you know, because you realize that the things that took place and you cannot believe that those things went on in America. Uh, but they did. So when, you, when I look at how can I cause the sin nature to become a slave to the spirit by be, beating it. By standing the word, by strengthening your spirit, man, by transforming your mind, by reading the word of God, by causing, changing the way you think, changing the way you respond, changing the way you, you treat others. How is that going to help me, uh, Brother Willie? How, how can that change me by getting in the word, praying and seeking God? Because you have to retrain yourself. When you retrain this, I remember being in the military, I tell you. I never forget the first day I went in the military in basic training. I tell you, you know, you, you spent 20 years living under mama's rule, right? And and you get to do what you want to do when you, well, well, not in my house. My mom was like a drill sergeant. But you thought you can get away with doing stuff that you, if they wasn't around, you can get away with. You know, you was a mama's boy or whatever you want to call it. And then you go off to the drill instructor. And the day you get off the plane, you're theirs. You know, the first thing they do when you get to your dorm room, they take your luggage from you and they tell you to change clothes. They take everything that's familiar with you to your away, strip you down. They even take you the next morning, and cut all your hair off your head, shave your face. They want you bald. They don't want nothing that's going to remind you of your old life because what they had to do was to retrain you from a civilian to a soldier. So they had to get out of you all those little bad habits and put in you those things that was going to make you a good soldier. That's the same way God has to do, amen. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, amen. Sometimes we come in Christ and we never allow the Holy Spirit to do his job. You know, Jesus said, I have to leave here. Everything God was supposed to do or has done has already been done. He made the way. He sent Jesus to die for our sins. Jesus died. He was resurrected. And now he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, making intercessions for you. In the meantime, or in his last conversations, right before he was killed or crucified, Jesus told his disciples that I have to leave. But while I'm gone, I'm going to send the Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, to come down to you. And he's the one that's going to talk to you. He's the one that's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. So in your spare time, read the St. John, the 15th chapter, the 16th chapter, 17, <coughs> excuse me, 17th chapter of St. John. That's just the beginning. It'll tell you the job of the ministry of the Holy Ghost to the world and to the believer. Amen. He'll teach you. 
and he helps you to win this fight. He helps you to live a lifestyle that reflects the image of God in the earth if you listen to him. If you know his voice to listen to him. Well, I don't know his voice. Well, that means you don't read enough of the word of God. That means you don't you don't talk. You don't read the word. You don't pray to God to know his voice. You can't expect to if you are due, you can't expect to let a young lady know that you're interested. If you just look at her and don't say nothing, she's going to think you crazy. She's going to think you're a stalker. She's going to think something wrong with you. And if you get past the first step and say, hi, my name is John. I want to I want I want to get to know you a little bit better. And then you never pick up the phone and call her. You never call her. You never send an email. But yet you're interested. What is she going to think? That joke is a trip. He think I'm going to call him. I ain't calling him. Callin well, women these days, I'll call him. I'll give you my number. That way i call you when I want to talk to you. Uh, make him call you. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I got a sidetrack. I saw something there. I had to say that. You know, no, don't give in. You know, make him work for it. That was God said. I done done everything. Talk to me. God said, my sheep know my voice. No other will they follow. Know him. You know, you're acquainted with his sound. You're acquainted with the tone of God's voice. So when he speaks, you know him. So if you say, I don't know the voice of God, that means you're not spending time with him. Because he talks to you. There are times I can be riding in my, and for those of you who know, I can be riding in my car. And I say, God, I need you to show me this. Or God, what's going on with this situation? And then the Holy Spirit will say it. I'll be like, Oh, and then he began to say, and this is what I want you to do. Or this is what I need you to do. And I hear just, well, is it like a voice in your head? No, it's a voice in the, it's like a conversation going on on the inside. And when the spirit speaks, he connects with your spirit. And the two agree, amen? Well, what is the tying factor? What is the thing that, that solidifies the connection is the word of God? Because the Holy Spirit is only going to speak the things he hears of God. He don't talk about himself. He don't brag, I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm the one that's going to lead you and keep you from falling. No, he don't do all that. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit come, he's going to testify of me. He's going to bear witness of the truth. He's going he to show you and teach you everything and remind you of everything that I have spoken unto you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Let's read on. James 1, 12 and 15. <clears throat> James 1, 12 through 15. We're still talking about this fight. Y'all following me. I hope I'm following. I hope I hadn't lost you yet. It's important to understand that as Christians and as believers that you make this a daily thing. Don't, don't look at it as once a month. Don't look at it as once a year. Make it a daily thing. Make it, that's why it's important before you leave out the door in the morning time that you pray and ask God, God, this is another day. I don't know what I, I'm going to encounter today, but you do. Yesterday was was one way, and I can't expect the same thing that happened yesterday to help to happen today. So I need you to give me the strength, the courage, and the wisdom I need to face any challenge that comes my way today. That you will show me, that you'll help me to be be a, alert of the attacks and schemes of the enemy so that he won't try to deceive me and I succumb to his deception. I mean, we have to pray those things. I mean, we have the power of the word working on our behalf. And if we don't get serious about our prayer life, God, I need this. 
God, these are the things you told me that I can have. You told me to plead my case in one instance that if I'm living right, if I know I'm living right, I can come to you and plead my case like an attorney and lay out the evidence before God. And God said, well, yep, you're right. Okay, do it, angels, on your behalf. That's the authority that you have in Christ Jesus. Amen? Look at James. James, first chapter, beginning at the 12th verse. It says this here, blessed, King James Version, blessed is the man that endured temptation, right? For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised to them that love him. We talked about crowns when we was in the book of Revelations a couple months ago, amen, several months ago, amen. Here's another crown, the crown of life. The man who endures temptation shall receive the crown of life. The crown of life, which the Lord had promised them that love him. Verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted, I love this 14th verse, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust had conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bring it forth death. Point is simple. So temptation is not a sin. Am I right? Is that what I, my interpretation is? To be tempted is not a sin. Satan can tempt you all day. He can tempt you 24 hours a day. But if you never yield to it, you ain't sin. Right? That goes to show you that the sin nature don't have no power until you say yes to it. Soon as you say yes to it, that's when you're struggling. Okay, maybe I'll get into it a little bit. Oh, man, then you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, then the flesh be like, you know it's good now. Don't let, don't go back. Come on, come on, come on. It's more to it. And before you know it, you're all off in there, right? You done lost it. You done missed it. You done been enticed by your own self. Isn't that what the scripture just said? By your own lust. It ain't had nothing... Ain't had nothing to do with Satan, right? But all to do with you and your sin nature you gave power to. Throw your shovel away. Stop going to visit the graveyard, digging stuff up. Please. You are not a grave robber. What they call it? Don't be exhuming your past lifestyle trying to carry it around with you while you live in this life thinking you can live both ways and get into heaven god forbid you think the just god is gonna let you live a filthy life and then welcome you in heaven with open arms not so it won't work it won't work the bible said there's gonna be a scene jesus talked about a scene that's gonna take place where there's a big banquet feast going on and all the people he invited and here they, the Lord of the house stands up and he looks over his guests and he looked back and he saw somebody that wasn't supposed to be there. And they called him out and said, how did you get in here? Well, I came in through the window. Get him out of here. Trying to come in through the back door. Ain't even invited. That's like folk come to your wedding and didn't have an invitation. Be sitting in the back, going up, eating up folk plates, food and stuff. I'm sorry. But that's the reality of this thing. 
So he that endured, right? He that endured temptation, when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. He that endured means to persevere under trials, to hold fast to your faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. To be tempted is to prove, I love this, to try, to test, to prove, to find out your feelings or judgment. The purpose of temptations is to find out where you really do stand. Satan sends temptations to see, I'm going to see if he really mean what he really mean. Let me see. And he sent, and he don't just send anything now. He sent the thing that gets your attention. Because he, if, if it ain't going to be attractive to you to get your attention, he ain't going to use it. He don't use balloons when you like um, lollipops, right? He going to send the best lollipop. He going to put it multicolored. He going to have the wrapping paper looking good. And as soon as it passes in front of you, you're going to be Right? That's exactly what happens. You're going to follow it wherever it goes. And before you know it, your lips, your mouth going to get watery. And you're going to want to suck on that lollipop. And before you know it, you're unwrapping the paper. And before you know it, you're divulging in it. And it's going to be good. You done missed it. So the purpose of temptation is Satan uses temptation to see if you really mean what you mean when you say, for God I live and for God I die. <laughs> he lures you. Like, like, like he's hunting for you. He's trying to get you to come out from your safety net. So he's dangling in front of you to get you to come out of the, 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 the what they call the, the ark of God. Come out of the shelter that God has you covered so that he can attack you openly and get you to fall. Amen. Any questions so far? Well, is there light at the end of the tunnel to this thing, brother, brother Willie? Well, there is. Look at Romans 7. Let me see. This is where I, Romans 8 is where I want to go. Romans the 8th chapter. If you understand the fight, if you understand your struggle, if you understand what's really going on inside of you and what you need to conquer the battle of the flesh, <clears throat> you have won 75% of the battle. Probably greater than that. If you understand that your power source is not in yourself, but in Christ, you have won the battle all out. Because you realize that there is no fight if you're leaning in Christ. He's already won the battle. You just got to walk this thing out. You got to tell your body daily what it's not going to do. And you got to live this life out. If you keep your mind right, somebody who that wrote a book talking about the battlefield of the mind. If you keep the mind right, you have conquered the majority of the battle. That's the way it is. If you can get your thinking, you know, stinking thinking will have you somewhere, have you all over the place. You'll be in the corner depressed. You'll be out there smoking a cigarette, ain't smoking 20 years. You'll be smoking, chewing tobacco. You'll be doing all kind of crazy stuff. You'll be shooting up drugs again. If you got a messed up mind, trust. You'll even go out and kill somebody. 
if your mind is messed up. But when you understand what's really going on, now you have the advantage, right? So then Paul writes in the book of Romans, the eighth chapter, now therefore, starting at the first verse, right? You know what it says? Uh, therefore now, what's that first word say, Miss Trina? There is therefore now, knowing all that he talked about in chapter 7, the flesh, the will that the sin wants to do and, and the spirit man fights against it. He said, knowing that you have these two laws, but Christ came and redeemed you from the curse of the law. You got to understand that. So if Christ came to redeem you from the curse of the law, then that rendered the power of the, the law powerless. So then I'm walking in the power of Christ, right? Because the same power, the scripture said, that resurrected Jesus from the dead, it's the same power that's going to raise up or rise up your mortal bodies through Christ Jesus. It's the same power. So then there's no, no condemnation in this walk. This is the birth everybody like, this is the scripture everybody like to quote. There is therefore now no condemnation, but here's the stipulation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I am not condemned if I walk after the spirit, but if I walk after the flesh, then I'm condemned because, oh man, I did it again, right? Because you yielded and guilt sets in. Look at verse two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had what? made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of life through Christ made you free from the law of sin and death. Verse three, for what the law could not do, and it was weak through the flesh, God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That... The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in who? Us who do what? Walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See, that's the key. We got to understand. But it ties back to the first verse. I have no reason to feel guilty if I'm not walking according to the flesh. I don't care how much the enemy comes and remind me of what I used to do. I don't have no reason to feel guilty because it's all under the blood. Am I right? If I'm not yielding to temptation, he can sing all he want to. If I'm not turning and doing what he says, I don't have no need to be, God, forgive me for, for being tempted. God, forgive me. I repent for the temptation. You ain't done nothing. That's the enemy. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, right? then those are the things that you're going to pay attention to. It's easy to do sinful things if you live in according to the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. It's easy to be led and walk according to the spirit if you living according to the spirit. Am I right? That's what the scriptures say. Here's verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I like that, life and peace. So to be carnal minded is meaning a carnal believer, a carnal Christian is a Christian who is saved, yet they still live like the world. That's carnal minded. 
They do the same thing the world does. That's carnal-minded. That's a carnal Christian. So if I'm a carnal person, then I am walking in death. That's what the scripture says. But if I'm spiritually minded, I have life and I have peace. I have nothing to be guilty of. I can walk in peace with my head up and move on to the next place in God. Here's the rest. Because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That means neither can. It cannot ever be subject to the law of God. It ain't going to rejoice. Ooh, I'm going to be holy one day. This flesh ain't going to ever say that. Sin nature ain't going to ever rejoice in that. Because he knows that once you change and go to God, it's going to be changed to an immortal body. And it's going to be a new body before it gets to heaven. It, 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 never, it, it never can be delivered until God changes it into something that is acceptable in heaven. That's the only way. I heard a gentleman, he asked a question. When I get to heaven, with all the things that I've done in my body and all the bad thoughts I have, am I going to have to walk around heaven with that same old body, the same old thoughts? The man said, no, you're going to have a new body. You have a new mind. You're going to be changed, transformed before you get to heaven. That's the good part of this life. Amen. Look at verse seven. Oh, I read that verse, nine, verse eight. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be the spirit of God dwelling in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, right? But, excuse me, but the spirit is life, excuse me, because of righteousness. Let me read that again, verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The key in all of this is I have to be led by the spirit of God. I have to live by the spirit of God. When I choose to live by the spirit of God, when I choose to be led by the spirit of God, then I'm winning my battle. That's why I become victorious. That's where my life is, is a life of conquering and victory and a life of good choices and good decisions, a life of pleasing God and God's blessings just flow through my life. We want greater anointing. Keep beating your body when you see you got a weak area. Cause it to surrender itself to the will of God. Amen. Work at it. Sometimes we got to call on heaven. Sometimes we got to fast. You know, fasting is beneficial in that type of fight. Because when you fast, the body get weak. But you can't just fast. You got to read the word when you're fasting. Because the, the, the difference is when you're cheating the body of real food, it gets weak. And then you're giving the spirit man it what it needs and it grows. The longer you fast, the weaker it gets. The more words you get in, the stronger your spirit man get. So when you're off your fast, it's still at the deficiency, right? But if you get off your fast and you start feeding the flesh, guess what's going to happen? The flesh going to get strengthened and you're going to stop reading the word and it's going to go down just like that. 
That's the weight of this thing. You got to keep it like this. If it's going to be lopsided, let the spirit man be strong and the flesh be weak. So if it keeps rising up, keep fasting, keep committing it to God, keep laying yourself before God, keep rebuking the devil, reminding the devil that that area of life is dead, it's been under the blood, it no longer tempts you, and you begin to declare the word of God and commanding the enemy to flee. In the name of Jesus, you have that authority. So in my closing tonight, I want to encourage you that if you're going to walk this life, put your boxing gloves on. Get ready for the fight of your life because Satan ain't going to want you to win. He wants to take as many people as he possibly can with him to hell. Amen. But I want to encourage you, saints of God, that you don't have to go to hell if you don't want to. You don't have to go to hell if you don't want to. Because hell is going to be a terrible place. You know, some people say, well, I'm living hell on earth. Uh, you ain't living hell on earth. Trust me. In fact, when you if you go to hell, you're going to wish you was back on earth. You ain't living. It might look, it might feel like hell and everything going against you, but it ain't hell. Hell is hot. We, my wife said the other day, hell, hell is so bad where when a rich man went down there and he's in hell and Lazarus chilling over there in Abraham's bosom and he yelling, oh, Father Abraham, can you have Lazarus dip his finger in some water and come and drip one drop on my tongue? Abraham said, no. You got what you asked for. Well, if you're not going to send him to help me, can you send him or somebody back to earth to tell my brothers that hell is for real? Abraham said, nope. They got the prophets. They'll tell them. This, everybody who go to hell will always have the opportunity to accept. There will no, not be nobody in hell that's going to be able to say, nobody ever told me about Jesus. God is not, God is just. And everybody will have an opportunity to accept Jesus as a Lord and Savior. The difference is, is yes and no. It's just one word. Yes, he's my Lord. No, I don't care nothing about that Jesus. And if you die in that state, hell you're going. It's going to be a horrible place. You know, people use that, that description to fear people. I'm not going to fear. I'm just making you know that you're not going to want to go to hell. Trust me. Not when Jesus has done everything for you to live eternally in heaven. Everything. I mean, he took the penalty, the wrath of God upon himself for us. He was holy. John said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. Right? So a holy God became human in the form of Christ. Died on the sin, on the, died on the cross and took upon himself the sins of the world so that you might have access to God again. And live with him eternally. Who wouldn't serve someone who would be willing to give up everything for them? Because that's what God did for you. So then I choose to live a life 
that's going to exemplify God's character to the world. I choose to not allow my lifestyle to not taint my, my reputation or not taint my witness so that when I'm talking to people about Jesus, they can really know that I'm really a believer, right? They won't throw no accusation. Well, weren't you at the club the other night? You don't want to do anything that's going to mess up your testimony and make it doubly hard for you to be a light or a witness for God. That's important. So think twice before you give in, right? Think twice when people ask you to go somewhere with them when you know where they're going. Now, I'll sit, I'll, I'll sit this one out. I'll be here when you get back. Now, I don't do that no more. I mean, sometimes you got to tell them. I don't do that. I used to do that, but I don't do that no more. Now I live for Christ. You want to go to church with me Sunday? Well, now nah, I don't believe in all that stuff. Well, I don't believe in all that stuff. See you later. Leave them. So what? If you got to be the only man standing, so what? You'll be the only man getting to heaven if it's just you and, and, and them. But I'm going to be there. So let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we come to you and giving you thanks and glory for this, this day. And we appreciate you for just the word tonight. And I pray, God, that the word was exactly what we all needed. God, it really stirred up something in myself tonight. So, God, the more I hear it, the more determined I am to live this life out. And I pray for your people, God, who are listening tonight, who are, who are of the name of Christ, who are those who have chosen to live this life and exemplify you. I pray for their strength, that their strength will remain strong in the day of their adversity, the day of their testing, and the day of their trial, that they will be strengthened, God, not in, the, not in and of themselves, but will be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit that's living in them. I pray for them, God, that you encourage them and increase them in the word, the knowledge of the word, and through that knowledge, faith increased to the point where they'll be unstoppable as they yield daily to you. Give them the courage to acknowledge the weak areas in their lives so that they can gain control of those things. Well, first of all, so that they be become aware of those things because it's those things that the enemy will use against them. And if they, have, if they gain that knowledge and to become aware of those areas, then that in itself helps them to be aware of the enemy's temptations that he throws their way. I pray, God, that you help your people this time and this season that the world, whew, man, it's a horrible place. It's, it's getting worse by the day, God. And it's so tough. I say tough. It's not as tough as it was back in the old days when the church was being birthed. But to name the name of Christ is almost a negative in this society today. People don't want to hear. They think you are uh, someone who hates them. And so, God, help us to be wise in our witnessing. Help us to be use wisdom in how we approach people about the kingdom, not not in fear, but in wisdom. So that we'll know what we need to say, how we need to say it so that you, Holy Spirit, will bring the increase on the end uh, at the end. So we pray the peace of God upon your people tonight. And we pray for those tonight, Lord, that if they have never accepted you, I want to give them the opportunity tonight. 
So if you're listening to our broadcast tonight and you have never accepted Jesus, something you may have heard tonight, you realize that you really need the help of God to get you out of the condition, God, the life condition that you're in. And you know that the only way to get victory over those things that you're challenged with and struggling with is through surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Tonight is your night to give your heart to the Lord. You've already made it in your mind and I want to invite you to pray with me tonight. So if that's you, and if it's you who was once saved but turned away from God, you changed your mind, you went back through life, through situations, through bad choices, whatever the reason, tonight is your night to come back to God and ask him back into your life to repent and turn back to your God. So if you're one of those two, this is your night. Pray with me this prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you acknowledging that I am a sinner, that I've done my own thing for so long, but tonight I'm making a decision. I confess my sins and I repent of my sins and I acknowledge Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, come into my heart, be Lord of my life, be king, be ruler, Empower me, Jesus, to live this life in a way that pleases God. Empower me to be a witness to those whom I shall encounter until your return. Today, I thank you for saving me, for redeeming me, for purchasing my salvation. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Father, bless your people tonight. Those who have tuned in, I pray the peace of God and those who are here with us. I pray the peace of God over them tonight as they lie down in their beds. I pray, God, that as they sleep tonight, that their body would get the needed rest that they need. And that there won't be no crazy dreams that will wake them up out of their sleep. Father, I bind every dream that is not according to your word that the Spirit of God will stand watch over your people tonight in Jesus' name. If there's any sick among us that is listening to this broadcast, I send your word to heal them tonight in the name of Jesus. Jesus said that healing is the children's bread. Whew, hallelujah. Healing is the children's bread. And I declare healing over their people tonight. That no longer will they suffer these things and infirmities of the flesh. Because Jesus nailed them to the cross. They were on the cross with Christ. So that we might be free of those things. So we thank you tonight. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.